Welcome to NFT. Really excited to get into this episode with you today. I'm joined by Anorak, and we're going to discuss what it feels like to have a winning lottery ticket, but not have the ability to cash it. Anorak had over 1.2 million in top shot profit, but he couldn't get it out. And this is not a story of someone complaining about having, you know, quote unquote, won the lottery. But I think you need to hear the full context of his story because you know, he had been involved in a number of NFT projects that were promising, but did not sort of um, finish in a positive way where either the rug got pulled or, you know, people were cheated out of their money. So I think, you know, if you if you just try to superficially, you know, oh, this poor guy, he's got money he can't access, boo-hoo. If that's your approach, then I think you're missing the bigger picture. We're going to get into some pretty heavy uh, NFT topics around centralization and decentralization. Uh, but it was a really, really insightful conversation for me. Uh, and you're going to hear from one of the true Top Shot OGs. He got in in August of 2020. So it's like 6,000 years ago from a Top Shot perspective. So without further ado, let's get into it with Anorak. Collecting just got physical. NFTs have changed the game, giving you the ability to show off your moments online. But now you can showcase your collection in real life. My Moment allows you to turn any digital moment into a physical card, display top shot moments, bored apes, hash musks, or even low effort punks on your desk or in your man cave or woman cave. Just visit mymoment.com. And that is my M O M I N T.com and use promo code NFTeach for 25% off your first order. That's M Y M O M I N T.com and promo code NFTeach for 25% off. And we are back. I am with Anorak. And we are going to be discussing uh, lots of things. We've already been <laughs> discussing lots of things, but unfortunately, I was too excited and we weren't rolling. So here we are. Welcome. How are you today? Oh, doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. Um, listen, so how I found out about you specifically was a thread that you had. And you were talking about... Um, your Top Shot experience. So, but before we run into that and jump into that, can you just introduce yourself and how you sort of, like, this is the first question that everyone gets asked. Like, how did you end up in the NFT space to begin with yeah. at all? Um, so I, I found NFTs all the way back in um, 2017, like December of 2017, I was just kind of swing trading, uh, you know, the, the alt coins, the, the crap coins. And um, you know, there was, uh, at the time I was on Bittrex, they highlight certain coins, the big movers every day. And one of the coins was uh, MANA token, which is the utility token for the blockchain-based virtual world Decentraland. So I started looking into this Decentraland project and I saw the, the roadmap and stuff was like, well, holy shit, like, this is pretty cool. Like I've played video games my whole life and the concept of this virtual world where you could actually own pieces of the land and uh, like be a part of a functioning virtual economy was super enticing. And, and I thought it was really something that would uh, innovate social media as we know it today or change social media as we know it today. And so I started getting involved and then they had their land sale in January, a month later. Uh, so me and my college roommate at the time uh, kind of watched the land sale. We were still a little too nervous to get involved in January and then I think come uh, you know, March or some sometime towards the summer of 2018, there's a lot of volume, uh, a lot of liquidity to the project. So we started buying and selling pieces of land. And once you get involved in one project's community, uh, inevitably, there's going to be community members that tell you about other projects and just kind of word of mouth. And so I just over the last almost going on four years now, three and a half years, I've been uh, a pretty active participant in the NFT space. So that's kind of been my journey. And here we are uh, on the heels of the Top Shot madness and all of these investments I made that I hoped would be worth something in the next decade. Uh, you know, that was uh, 
that expectation ended up being like three to four months. Uh, yeah, all these things that I was investing in that like, I hope would be valuable in five to 10 years. Um, you know, it, it only took about five months. Yeah. Uh, so now we are uh, in, in this kind of craze right now. And, and you know, 90% of people I talk to, they their gateway into NFTs, as mine was, was Top Shot. February of 2021 for me, um, there is a local sports talk radio guy who's been, um, I'm from Chicago, so I listen to nothing but Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls, okay. White Sox talk all the time. And I listen to it, um, typically a podcast when I'm going to sleep. And I had heard this guy talking about NBA Top Shot. And he was talking about, um, it, well, I heard the word blockchain. So that automatically piqued my interest. And then I was like, how in the hell have I not heard about this? Like, this is all of the things that I'm interested in rolled into one project. So uh, that was my sort of entryway. And then OpenSea came after. So, but you're one of like the 0.01% of people that like your gateway was Decentraland, not Top Shot. So how early are you into NBA Top Shot? If we're going back in time, rewinding the clocks, like when did you start? Um, so I, I think I joined the Discord and, and I bought my first uh, moments or my first packs um, on like like the first week of August of 2020. Uh, I was hearing about Top Shot almost a year to the date. There's people that were talking about Top Shot and everything, and I never knew. Uh, I just kind of wrote it off. And then once I figured out that they had um, these agreements in place with the NBA and they had access to all of these highlights from a legal standpoint, um, that they had licensing agreements and everything for all the copyrights and, and all that stuff, I gave it a much more serious look. Uh, I bought my first packs. Uh, the first week of August, I pulled, um, this is probably one of my greatest NFT mistakes, is I, my first pack that I ever opened, I pulled the number 10 mint uh, LeBron MGLE Series 1. And I think I sold it for like 140 bucks. Because oh you're just like testing, yeah, you're, you're testing like liquidity at the time, right? Like as a new, as someone who'd been in the NFT space for a while, I've been in projects that have been super successful. I've made investments in projects that have, you know, totally... You, no one's ever going to hear of them if you weren't in the space in 2018. They're totally dead. They fizzled out. The only time you're going to hear of them is when someone like myself is making fun of them. Uh, shout out MLB champions, chain breakers. But uh, anyway, um, so Top Shot. So I, I opened these packs. And as someone who collected uh, baseball cards, I'm, I'm 26. So during the, you know, the, the steroid era of baseball in the 90s and early 2000s, I'm a little kid. You know, I'm eating up these baseball cards. Uh, I'm, I'm really getting into everything, going to trading shows. Uh, so as soon as I opened the packs for Top Shot, I had this sense of nostalgia that brought me back to collecting cards. And it's something that I hadn't experienced in damn near two decades. Uh, I'm a sports fanatic. And at the time, there was nothing in the NFT space that was sports related. Uh, there was a soccer-based trading card um, game, fantasy game called So Rare which is super successful. But as a, uh, as an American, um, I Who cares about too... soccer, right? Let's, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, exactly. My American myopia kind of gets in the way of the, of the, the world's or the international game uh, of soccer. So um, yeah, I got into Top Shot the first week of August and my first experience with it, I was just blown away. I knew it was going to be a hit. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I want to ask you. Describe what it was what was the sort of um, event, singular event where you went, yo, I mean, this is, this is going to be big, right? I mean, I know you talked about the license, like the licensure and everything being in agreement with the MBPA and, and the NBA. Um, but what was the sort of moment where you said, okay, like there's something oh, really here. It was the first time I opened a pack. I mean, it was literally like the first, so I signed up for Top Shot on like a Tuesday. Their first pack drop was say on a Friday or something like that. So I was in it for like two or three days where I was just kind of waiting. Literally the first two seconds of me opening the first pack, I knew it was going to be a hit. I mean, the animation was so clean. Um, the, U, the UI was clean. The UX was clean. There was no snags with my pack opening. Uh, but on top of that, it was just so damn aesthetically pleasing. I wanted to buy another pack. The way that the moments kind of roll out the way that you can check the plays. Obviously, once you see that they're highlights and not static images, that's a whole new thing. But in the first 
honestly, the first that first time I packed, my first pack twisted and busted open. It's like, all right, I'm hooked. Like this is there's something here. So you know, in uh, your thread, you talk about your sort of process and how you were able to cash out. So you in your thread mentioned that you invested approximately nine thousand U.S. dollars into Top Shot moments, and in, in your uh, your your profit off of that 9,000 was about 1.2 million. So what is, yeah. what's the return on that? What's, what, how many X are we talking? I, I can't do the math. I don't know. <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't usually, uh, I don't know. I didn't calculate it. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, well, around, it's around that amount. I got right. most of that. Infinity X. So you can, uh, next time you come back on, we'll, we'll have the calculation ready. Um, okay. But you describe sort of, your challenges in getting your money out. And yeah. it's very clear that you're not blasting the Top Shot team. You're not complaining. I got a lot of shit for that. I got yeah. a lot of shit for that tweet. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, but it's it's clear that you're just, you're, you're really just sort of describing your process. And, and, you're, and then you're very clear that it's been a, the best investment you've ever made and you've, you've benefited so much from it and what you've Most been able fun. to do with it, right? So like, just talk through sort of what, the learning curve was in terms of withdrawals and what some of the pain points were as you were, you know, you were winning with this product, but it wasn't super easy to sort of, you know, get your money out. Yeah. Um, so I got uh, a lot of nasty comments and DMS and even people that I've known in the, in the top shot community for since like the very beginning, were uh, kind of criticizing that, which maybe I did a poor job communicating the message, but um I didn't mean to take any shots at, uh, at Top Shot with that. You can go back and look through my accounts and YouTube and see I've been promoting Top Shot since September, August of last year. Um, but the, the thing is, is that the issues that I experienced with Top Shot, um, dating all the way back to last August and into April of this year, no one can understand uh, some of the, or my point of view from it because they weren't around for the early days. I mean, you can go and look in the discord and go back in the history. Um, you know, we were told my first week in August, I asked in the discord when would withdrawals be available? I was told within four to six weeks, four to six weeks rolls around, there's still, um, you know, no withdrawals available. And then word comes out around November that only certain people have been getting special access. So some people can withdraw, some people can't. There's tons and tons of arguments breaking out in the discord, a lot of which I took the side of Top Shot on some of the withdrawals things. So, but, so is KYC happening? Like, have you already, you know, like major identity, had, had they had KYC involved from the onset no. of the project or did that come no. later? That was another big issue I had with it was that there's no mention. So when you're depositing money into Top Shot, and and, and let think, me just stop for a second. KYC is know your consumer. This refers to providing your sort of government ID so that the it can be verified who is exchanging these uh, these funds, these these cryptocurrencies or these moments in this instance. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's a it's mainly a prevention against money laundering, um, so that there's not like fake profiles. So, so they say. Like so they say. Right? I mean, yeah, that's another right. conversation for another day, just, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, on the website, when you're depositing your money, this is up until like February, there's no mention. Let me backtrack. Um, I would say for the KYC and stuff, there's no mention that you're going to be required to input KYC uh, and all this information when you're depositing money. While you're also depositing money, there's no uh, reference on the website that withdrawals aren't available. So for the better part of five months, um, people are just kind of in the dark when they're depositing money and then they go to try and withdraw it and there's no mention of it. So there's no mention on the website of any of this stuff, KYC especially. Uh, as someone who's very involved in the crypto space and you know, I don't really use bank accounts, I don't um, have much of a trace in the traditional finance system um, and I'm trying to keep my uh, identity as private as possible online, KYC is a big deal to me. I don't use specific websites and exchanges if I know that I need to dox myself or provide personal information. So when three months go by and there's no mention of KYC and then all of a sudden you need to provide it, you know, that's one more uh, headache to people 
um, like myself who would rather bypass stuff like that. So can you explain to the audience, like, what, what are some of your issues with KYC? And, and when we talk about like DeFi is not a topic we've gotten into on, mm-hmm. on this program yet, only in my, uh, my episode where, where we're talking about NFT artists in Africa and sort of the, uh, the artistic boom that's happening with NFT creators there and how it's sort of that decentralization has been so powerful for them. But like what, if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, why don't you want to keep your money in a bank? Like, what would you say around someone to that? Um, I really support the idea of self-ownership. That's why I have a MetaMask and all of these other ledgers and stuff where I hold my money. Um, I don't, it's not that I don't trust the financial system or the government. Uh, That's a conversation for another day. But um, the main reason being is when you have money in the bank and stuff, you can't really access it like you can if it's in a MetaMask. I can't take out as much money as I want in a day. There's certain websites and places that my bank blocks uh, transactions to. You know, Jeremy, you said that you're overseas. If I wanted to send you money or spend money at your online business that's based overseas, my bank might not let me do it. Um, So there's that in place. But the main reason with KYC online is there's instances in the past where these crypto companies pop up and on the way out, uh, a disgruntled employee who's fired might sell your information on the dark web. I mean, this has happened several times over in the crypto space where, um, you know, and I'm sure traditional businesses as well, um, where people will sell your information and they'll sell your social security numbers. They'll sell your uh, photos of government issue IDs and they'll sell it all on the dark web. Um, So that's the issue I have with KYC, especially when um, it's connected to my MetaMask account and stuff like that when I've already deposited money to my MetaMask account. Now I'm connecting a government issued ID to my Topshot so they can trace uh, kind of who I am online and I can be punished retroactively for some of the things that may not be against the law now, but if well in three or four years, then I can be, I have the chance to be punished retroactively. Um, So that's more of my issue with uh, KYC. It's not that I, don't trust Top Shot with the information. It's just, I don't trust the information being out there. If that yeah, makes sense. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, you're trying to do these withdrawals four to six weeks, they're saying the four to six yeah. weeks pass and, and nothing comes. So people are in the discord trying to figure out what's going on. So basically at that point, Top Shot has a way for your fiat to come in, right? And we'll talk about this, like this idea of, the, the centralization and the ease of entry, the low barrier to entry of Top Shot as compared to other NFT projects, which you're spot on. Like I've talked about this a lot. And when I'm encouraging people, if they want to start an NFT collection, I tell them to start at Top Shot because you're not dealing with the crypto side if that's not something you're familiar with, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I'm with right. you there. So, you know, what happens next? You, you, you're you waiting, waiting, waiting. And, and sort of what's the next sort of... Uh, step in this process then? Yeah. So KYC is just kind of an aside to everything. It was just kind of like an extra blow, like, like really. Um, so what really was, uh, the most irritating thing that was like, uh, they were just kind of like handpicking who was getting withdrawal access and who wasn't allowed, at least seemingly on the outside looking in, uh, that's kind of what was happening. So, you know, you have certain accounts who are able to withdraw. You have other accounts that aren't able to withdraw. Um, And then once we get into like January, February, um, you know, there's people who had just joined in like three weeks prior and they already have withdrawals of up to 20 or $30,000. And as someone who's been in the community and been promoting it on all my social media pages and everything, uh, which by the way, you can follow me at on tough and everything for top shot uh, i had been an active in the community for months and months on end at this point uh to see someone that was able to get withdrawal access before myself in a greater capacity too was super upsetting and at that point in time you have to wonder all right if you haven't had doubt in the system already now it seems like people are getting special treatment you're kind of being forgotten uh, at that point more and more doubt starts to creep in and even when you do have withdrawal access you know it's capped at it takes, you know, eight weeks for something to process. And then you have people posting on Twitter, 
hey, I just joined in January, I withdrew $20,000 and it took three business days. It's like, you know, what the hell? Like, what the hell's going on? So, so uh, it, it was it, like, okay. So, so, right. The, part of this is that, you know, I, people were complaining the other day. It was, and I'm trying to think of what the, the problem was. There was some issue that was Top Shot related. And I just, you know, reiterated the fact that it's still in beta, right? Because in some respects, you know, the, 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 the whole product in itself is still very new. It feels like it's been around for years for those of us who have been in, even since February for me, like I'm considered almost an OG in terms of my participation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fast. Like it's, it moves fast. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, uh, it's tough because on one hand you go, this is a developing product. This yeah. is, this is in beta, but do you think that part of it for you was your other involvement in other previous NFT projects that you sort of understood the bigger picture of all of this, maybe a bit more than some of the other people who are just big sports heads who just fell into this? Like, what, do you think you saw more of the field per se, like around what was going on? I know it's so difficult for people to try and understand my perspective on this because in hindsight, it all seems so childish, right? Like someone's probably listening to this and they're thinking, screw this guy. He's worried about getting $2,000 at a time. Uh, I don't even have that much in my account. I have $40, like who, screw this guy. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I've been involved in these NFT projects and stuff where you think they're gonna be the most successful thing ever and they fold, they steal your money. They, they're never heard of again. All of this was startup money and now it's gone. And sorry, stuff happened, unforeseen circumstances, whether it be true or not, you know, you lose your money and you lose out on this thing that you thought was gonna be a huge hit. And, you know, a couple months down the road, it's evaporated and you lose everything. So in hindsight, it sounds stupid for me to sit here and say, I wasn't sure I was gonna get my money out, but when you've been there before, it's a little bit different. So yeah, these complaints sound childish and my Twitter thread sounded um, like ignorant or arrogant, arrogant in a sense that look at all this money I made and I'm still have some sort of complaints uh, towards the project. But I was trying to speak uh, in regards like to my journey throughout the process and how there was, there was a point in time that I doubted whether or not I would get my money out of Top Shot. Um, yeah, it sounds minor in hindsight, um, but I guess when you've been there before uh, and you've had money taken from you that wasn't, or that was supposed to be yours and then everything folds, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to not have some mild form of expectation that it might happen again, regardless well, of how successful you think things are. And, and I mean, of course, too, there's the possibility that one lawsuit could tie up everything for who knows how long, right? Like, and, we, you know, some of our conversation, we were talking about intellectual property before we started rolling. Like, I, so, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that that perspective is something that you could feel in your thread, to be honest with you. Like, I wouldn't have thought about it from that perspective when I read. Now, I didn't feel like you were undo, unduly complaining either. Um, I, I just Which, thought- first like, of all, first of all, real quick, like- why, why are these projects like exempt from complaints? Like, why can I not like and enjoy a project and use it, but also have some criticisms about it? Like, my God, if there's ever a time to criticize a, a company over some things, it's allowing people to spend $50 million a day in your marketplace and not allowing them to withdraw stuff. Like, I don't understand why that is such a polarizing issue. Like, something can be as, as great as possible. I mean, look at Bitcoin. Like, Bitcoin and Ethereum are these two amazing platforms and um, you know, ways for people to gain financial freedom. And we criticize them all the time. Like, I don't understand, like you get these followings and it's like, I don't understand why I can't support something and also criticize it because it seems like there's no middle ground. It seems like you're either one side or the other, which I think is a little bit unfair. Well, if I was thinking about it from a purely reductive perspective, what I would say to you is that when people are losing money, rational thought goes out the window and you know, for people, that, money. yeah, yeah. And, and I think too, when people have never been involved in the crypto space and seen logged on to their, their account and see it just plummet and they've never felt that before. Right. There, yeah. there is this sort of, um, entry point to top shot with the entry point being so low, right. 
the barrier to entry is so low. All you need is a debit card, right? And you in yeah. a Google account and you can start, right? Like, I think that people don't understand the sort of bigger picture because for a lot of people, it's their first touch point into crypto at all. And I say crypto with like air quotes, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're yeah. just essentially using fiat and you're exchanging fiat, like it, it, it's not really, you know, you're not using Dapper. You're, it's not really like a, a token from my perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that there's just a sort of lack of understanding around, like, I think when people lose money, they freak out. And I think that they yeah. just, and if you, if you've never lost in this space or if, you know, what I saw, you know, a month ago and I had Jacob Eisenberg on, we discussed this, like, the market tanked, right? The first tank, not this latest one. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the, 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 when it tanked a month ago or whatever, like people were freaking out. But I think a lot of people saw an opportunity to have the returns that you had, right? And maybe they overextended themselves. And, you know, what they thought was going to be this 5X became, you know, something else. And I think that people's pursuit, like, and I talk about this in my blog, like when people viewed Top Shot as a speculative land grab, that's going to be problematic, right? Because the the first pack that was EV negative, people lost their mind. It was that throwdowns pack. Like people were, all of a sudden it wasn't this just like guaranteed ticket. Now for me, I enjoy collecting for the sake of collecting. I'm not, this is not I'm not planning to, it would be great if they, you know, rose in value, but I never came in expecting to retire off of top shot. Now you will be able to retire off of top shot and that's amazing, but I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I lost a lot of money in the, in the crypto that I Okay. So maybe you've just offset your losses. So you're, you're even, yeah. right. But like, I, I think that they, the people just in general, uh, when they lose money and they've yeah. never experienced a project like this, like they don't know how to put those feelings somewhere. Yeah. And it's uh, it's um, it's easy to look at someone like myself or one of the other guys that made a bunch of money in Top Shot and think like, um, one like how lucky we are, uh, whatever how fortunate we are and all this stuff. But I'll tell you what, I have lost so much money on other stuff that I've invested in. I've been in this NFT space for, like we said, three and a half years, going on four years. There has been so much stuff I've lost everything on, especially coming off the previous uh, bull cycle in 2017. I mean, I was in the position where I've lost seemingly everything and have had to start from the ground up. Um, but when it comes to the top shot stuff and and the EVs and the marketplace and all that stuff, um, you know, it, it, it does, it's a terrible thing for people who got in at the wrong time, just like every other investment avenue like the world in the history of the world there's innovators imitators and imbeciles that's kind of like the strategic or the the saying in traditional finance and i have been in every single category of that i've been one of the innovators i've been one of the imitators and one of the imbeciles that runs in too late um but the, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of people made a lot of money uh, off top shot regardless of of when they got in, whether or not they're hitting on like big time mint numbers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm incredibly happy for those people. One, the profits that they made, but the excitement that comes with collecting and hitting on stuff, because now those people are in bored apes and, you know, maybe you get into Top Shot, you lose a few hundred dollars or so uh, on the Top Shot stuff, but it gives you uh, connections that then someone tells you about the bored ape stuff. Someone tells you about these these me bits or some of these other things that now it's tough to see right now. It's tough to envision yourself hitting on something now. But if you stay in the space and you make connections with people and you actually do some research to try and find some stuff that might be interesting, not now, but in the next year, I mean, then the losses that you incurred in Top Shot are worth it because the they only led way to something else just, bigger, right? The only way that you're going to lose and just lose forever if it, is if you just fold up and you got active in this space, you met a lot of people, you figured out how the digital items work in terms of buying and selling. Maybe you flirted with setting up a MetaMask. Maybe now you're looking at buying crypto. The only way it's total loss now is if you just totally give up and you well, just totally 
throw so, in the towel on what you've done because you lost a little bit of money. So in the spirit of making sure you're not taken out of context, I want to I want to just nudge what you're saying a little bit and say yes, but at the same time, people shouldn't overextend themselves. And what I mean by that, right? If if you know, like I'm not a gambler. I'm I'm not. Like I'm if I go to the casino, I will pay play uh, penny slots the entire night long. Like that for me, when it comes to risk versus reward, I'm comfortable with lower risk, lower reward. That's that's the way I look at everything. So for me, the number one NFT project that I get excited about is still low effort punks. It's it was 0.01 to buy. And I typically yeah. don't like to get in on something unless it's 0.01 or 0.02, like something that's 0.08, I'm already out on. It's just, for, and, and it's not about having it or not having it. It's just, I don't want the stress of worrying about losing that. Now I could have 4.02 projects that I've, I've picked up and I don't, for whatever reason, view that as 0.08. I view them all as four different, you know, 0.02 projects. Like I, I don't, but I think it's important for people to understand, yes, you know, keep learning, keep going, but do it in a way that you're comfortable with, right? If you're comfortable to throw it all, to bet it all on red and go for that home run and you're going to spend three ETH on Misfits University because you think that's it, then good for you, you know? Yeah. But for me, like I really enjoy, and, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed is through doing this podcast is someone will DM me and they'll say, you know what? I'm into Top Shot. I want to get involved with an NFT project, what do you suggest? And the first question I will respond back to them is, well, what's your tolerance for risk? You know, because if you want to go speculate, there's lots of people who can tell you this is the next big project, right? But for me, yeah. I enjoy finding, I like, and I enjoy finding artists um, where I like their work. And here's a question that I'd, I'd ask you, right? do you think that we're going to start shifting and waxing and waning from the avatar 10,000 mint, 5,000 mint thing to more of artists creating art? Or do you think that we're in the generative avatar space for a while now with, I mean, cause it's, it's like getting hit with waves. I feel like I'm in the, the ocean and I'm just getting pounded with the next one. And then I can't keep up with it. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think, no, the, the avatar stuff isn't going to continue forever. Um, but I think we're kind of classifying it wrong. I think that we're, um, we're looking at it too narrowly, where we're saying that they have to be these avatars, which really, they should just be considered like collectibles. I mean, sure, you can put it as your avatar picture, but you know, how long is that really going to last? We've already seen people that are doing it and are in on the hype. A lot of them switch it on an almost daily basis. Um, which isn't going to continue forever. But I think that the collectible uh, piece of it, which is really all we're doing, we're using a, an excuse as switching our avatar to it as some desperate, uh, some desperate grab as like attaching utility to these items when there doesn't really have to be. Um, so I don't think that that stuff's going to continue forever, uh, the avatar thing. Um, the artist stuff is even a little bit more complex because I think people really made their bets on digital art um, and all of these different artists from, you can even take it back into 2020. Uh, I would say probably um, the start of the summer in 2020 continuing all the way to like April of 2021 was a huge digital art boom. Everyone was placing bets on who they thought was gonna be, become a big digital artist. I think we've started to see a lot of that uh, kind of narrow down and a lot of like the top 1% artists are kind of rising uh, and people are placing less bets on things, but all that goes out the window if Ethereum and crypto go crazy again, then people are going to have extra coins to throw around, take more risks on stuff. Um, but I think the, the uh, concept of digital collectibles just as a way to collect things, whether they're like toys or images, whatever it may be, um, that's going to continue on. Uh, the digital art stuff is kind of a um, kind of ties into that a little bit, because at the end of the day, that's who's making the items or, or the artists and stuff. But in terms of like rareable and just kind of buying random piece of, pieces of art, um, I think that that might uh, slide a little bit because people like to collect what other people are collecting. I think a lot of the, the one of ones are kind of falling behind, but 
where there's 100 to 10,000 of these items and you can kind of get in with a group of people, I think that's what's going to end up uh, kind of leading the, the charge here. So, so it almost sounds like you're saying more the community than the utility, if you had to put them on the, the scale, right? Like, like, and I get what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. um, one of the projects I really like is retro cassettes. It's literally a cassette that's painted with oh, yeah. colors of a flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's super clean. Um, I, I just, I enjoy it. Like it makes me happy. Right. Uh, there isn't a, I wouldn't say there's a super deep community around it, but low effort punks. There is a huge, like there, the discord is just hilarious. Every second of the day, someone's mm-hmm. posting about their Lambo from their low effort punk. And it's just a good time. It's a good, it's a fun thing to be a part of. So mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Community is a tough one because you have to make sure that the community has good intentions. I mean, you can look at certain Twitter stuff and see engagement and all this stuff, but man, I'll tell you what, there's projects where uh, I'll tweet about something, a project will comment like, oh, have you checked out this project or this NFT? It'll get like 50 some favorites, all these comments under it. And it just kind of feels sketchy, feels like kind of spammy, like the engagement is uh, fabricated. And so you see that with individual NFT communities too, where it's like, all right, well, who are the people that are most active? Who's holding the most of these items? And you have to be careful that you're not getting trapped into um, like this kind of scammy Ponzi Ponzi scheme type thing. But all of that flies out the window if you actually enjoy the product. Like that's the beautiful thing about this space is you say like you like those cassettes, right? Like for me, that's, like the cassette thing I've known about for a long time, there's a lot of people who like them. Uh, they've never really appealed to me, but that's okay because I'll go get into something else with all these other people who like this thing. Everyone else is kind of in on the cassettes. Like there's all these little niches that you can find what you want and, and invest in it and buy it because you think it's cool uh, without an expectation of a return on investment. And then all that stuff kind of goes out the window. It's just what you, what like, you like and what you get involved in, which kind of where the space is going to be headed Uh, everyone's just placing bets right now i think it'll become more of a collector's paradise here soon well and and last thing i want to touch on with you before we we jump off uh is this idea of centralized versus decentralized so Mm -hmm. in your thread you mentioned that top shot is centralized uh, and and we've discussed it a little bit already that you don't need to have a crypto um, Juris doctorate to be able to get involved in Top Shot, right? You need a, a, a card and you need a Gmail account, really, and you could really get rolling pretty quickly. Um, yeah, but, you know, OpenSea, which is, I would say, the, the decentralized yin to the centralized Top Shot yang, um, it, it's interesting because, you know, I think when people think about the wallet, and blockchain and and part of the promise of blockchain is around security right but like i think there's a lack of knowledge around how wallets work and the type of wallets you use and the keys involved and i see this happening more with OpenSea in particular where these things are just sort of disappearing out of people's wallets and there's not really you don't get an, an email sent to you you it just sort of disappears right so so can you sort of like 101 level when we're talking about centralized and decentralized, break that down for people to understand why it matters and and why a decentralized project should have potentially more appeal to uh, an NFT collector. Yeah, so it should have more appeal, but at the end of the day, either you care about this concept or you don't. Like there's people who would rather have centralized assets because they're backed by a company, which, so the difference between the two is, um, a centralized entity is something like a Facebook um, or a Fortnite or Call of Duty, where you have these in-game assets. They can't really be transferred out unless someone gives you permission to do so. Uh, and at any time, the company can just kind of seize your stuff. This is the same with the financial system with banks. Banks can technically just freeze your money if they sus- suspect criminal activity, whether it's warranted or not. Uh, they can just or freeze if, your or account. Or if they just want Call to. Cyprus just, Cyprus just uh, decided they wanted to go yeah. into people's banks and they did it. And that was it. Wow. Wow. It's like, so, wow, that's crazy. Um, but anyway, so centrali- centralization is just, there's some individual or 
a group of people or enti entity, whether it's a company, a government, or someone that has control over your assets. Uh, decentralization is this idea of Web3, which is you know having a MetaMask wallet, um, being able to send crypto or uh, whatever assets, whatever, to uh, individual people from around the world. No one needs to give you permission to move your assets from one place to the next. Uh, so that's maybe you've heard of the MetaMask wallet. That's this is the most used, right? Like this yeah. is this is for, the number one. Pretty much with every NFT project, this is the preferred wallet of choice. Yes, um, MetaMask is, and I've been a user of it for multiple years. I've never, um, I've always had good experiences with it. I don't want to say I don't want to use the word never and jinx myself. But uh, um, so the the downside to decentralization is that there's no no one that's backing your stuff. So if your credit card gets hacked or if you lose your uh, debit card or whatever and people spend your money, you can call your bank and say, hey, that wasn't me. Uh, and, you know, almost 10 times out of 10, they'll refund you your money if it's a reasonable amount, right? You know, maybe if it's thousands and thousands, they won't. But, um, you know, if I've had before where my information gets stolen and someone buys gas in Arkansas, I'm like, hey, I live in Ohio. Like, that wasn't me. They'll refund my money. With MetaMask and these decentralized places, if your password gets breached or if you send things to the wrong address uh, by accident, uh, all this stuff, there's no one to call and say, I lost my money or I need to reset my password. Like you're just SOL, like you just lose everything. So it comes with a lot more responsibility. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I can kind of uh, sleep with peace of mind knowing that I control all of my assets, I can send it to whoever I want. I don't need to get permission from anyone. And this ties back into the top shot stuff with the withdrawal system. I'm coming from the NFT and crypto space where everything I work with is decentralized. I can buy an asset at 9, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and sell it at 9, 12 a.m. on a Tuesday. And I can have my money from it. Top shot that was totally foreign, um, just in the crypto space and unexpected. Uh, so when you're putting all this money in and you think you're going to have access to it within four to six weeks or whenever it may be, and then it ends up being months while crypto is going crazy and you'd like to take some of these profits and reinvest it and it's locked up, it's irritating um, when you come from and value the world of decentralization and you kind of just fell into this trap of a centralized product, even though it's giving you great returns, it still comes with some headaches and a little bit of uh, anxiety thinking I have all this money. I am one of the luckiest people in the world right now. Like that's truly how I felt. Well, you're only I, lucky I, if you can get it out though, which I think is your point. The, and when you've been on the wrong side the in time, the project, right? You've been, you've, at the time, at the time you're worried about it. In hindsight, I even said it in my tweet. I said, in hindsight, a lot of my concerns and stuff feel childish. I forget the exact wording, but I said, now that it's all okay and, and it's proven to be fine and I got my money, what the hell was I worried about? It's, it's stupid to... to like think I was never going to get my money. But when you're in the situation and it's like, wow, I have been working a job that paid me less than $30,000 a year for the last 10 years. I had been working in professional sports. I'm working 90 hour weeks. I'm on a salary that's giving me less than $1,200 a pay period. Um, you know, and, and I'm getting zero overtime and all this stuff. And wow, I have this amount of money in my account. You mean I've made more than I would have at my salary job over the span of two decades, and I have this, but I can't access it. But so you don't really it, have it. it. Exactly. So on one side of the coin, it's like, holy shit, like I am one of the luckiest people in the world. I cannot believe I just hit this. I want to quit my job. I want to do all this. I want to start working in, in all this stuff. But you got to pump the brakes because you can't get too ahead of yourself. It's like, um, it, it's kind of like gambling in a sense where if you bet on sports, your team's up at halftime and you're like, Ooh, like, you know, I and got a hundred dollars. Let's look and see, let's look and see what I can bet on later. And you get ahead of yourself. It's the same thing. Then your team loses. The other team has a big comeback. You lose all your money. You now you're SOL, but it's the same thing of like, you can't get ahead of yourself. Uh, I have all this money. I'm so lucky. Look at this generational wealth that I've provided for myself, but it's, you don't have it. And that anxiety where it stretches over the span of months, and at the same time, you're seeing people get preferential treatment while you're sitting there wondering, is this ever going to happen? 
like it adds a, a sense of stress on you. And maybe more people had conviction in the product than I did, which that's fine. That's their own personal take on it. But no one can speak on my personal experience with the product and with the other situations I've had in crypto because I've seen it time and time again, not pan out. I've seen rugs get pulled. I've seen devs shut down shop. And yeah, Topshot always felt different. I never thought that they were insolvent. I never thought that um, Topshot was gonna like exit scam us. But at the same time, it's like, you can tell they're not being totally upfront about why certain people are getting withdrawals and why certain people aren't. And you know, you have to run scenarios through your head where you're thinking, well, here's everything that's, that went right so far. And it's only human nature to think about what can go wrong. So when you're in that position, it's super stressful. And it's, it's a, it, it, was a, it was a very fun, very fun experience. But up until I was getting consistent withdrawals in a timely manner, I was always like, well, you know, I, I'm going to buy this house, but I hope I can pay all the bills and stuff because I don't know exactly when the withdrawals might come to an end, which, like I said, looking back on it, it seems incredibly stupid to have had those thoughts. But when you're in the moment and you're staring at something that is life-changing and it's just out of reach, it's, uh, it's incredibly Listen, uh, until you have your money, it's not your money. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> and tying and it I back to the centralized decentralized thing. Like, so that's why I value decentralization. Um, there's some things that being in a decentralized project can't offer. It's like the on-ramp from credit cards and stuff. Like the reason Topshot was so successful is one, the MBA, obviously. Two, it was the ease of access. Like that yes. is the main reason why uh, Topshot did so well. People could just log on. You didn't have to understand crypto or anything like that. Um, so centralization has its perks. And honestly, like I don't, I don't see us going into a world where everyone is opting out of centralization. So many people enjoy it. Even like uh, younger people, older, it doesn't matter the generation. People enjoy knowing that their stuff is kind of secured by the central body. They don't, they trust uh, the people behind it. So they don't really want to opt into a trustless system. But uh, the reality is the, the, the vast majority of NBA fans have no idea what the hell Top Shot is even at this point. So you it's know, crazy, isn't the, it? the on-ramp that you're going to have to build is going to have to span several miles to the east and west in terms of getting people familiar with NFTs and crypto. And they've already done some uh, sort of new user UX stuff. I saw it the other day when I logged on, uh, where they're trying to educate new users on how the marketplace works and, um, okay. you know, and, and do that. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I think it's for me, I feel like I've learned, which is always the point of this is it's selfishly for, for me to have the learning that I want to have in my life. And then uh, hopefully others benefited from, you know, benefit from it as well. Can you drop socials if people want to ask you questions or follow your Twitter feed um, or learn about some of the projects that maybe they heard about for the first time? And I know there are some other projects that you're particularly interested in right now. If you want to share some of those, please, the, the mic is yours and, and feel free to. Yeah, well, it's tough for me to suggest certain projects because there's going to be stuff that piques people's interest more than others. Um, so if you want to stay active in the space and Top Shot was your first experience with NFTs and maybe it left some sour grapes in your mouth. And if so, I'm sure this interview didn't help. Uh, I would just suggest that you stay active in the space. You go to OpenSea.com and you look for stuff that has high volume, but more importantly, look at the most successful projects so that when you're looking at newer stuff, you can try and draw similarities. Uh, you have an understanding of what a successful project looks like in the NFT space. So when you're doing uh, your research on new stuff in the future, uh, you kind of understand uh, what is more appealing to other people or what has similarities to some of the more successful projects. But stay active in the space, find something that inter interests you. And even if you're not investing in it, just follow it, follow the game development, um, you know, follow the, the price movement of, of certain things because Think that was an issue with top shot for i mean a lot of people including including my friends was that they just saw something and they just kind of jumped in without understanding what they were getting involved in um which we've all been there uh, we've all been there but yeah get get involved in the nft space uh get something and and check it out uh go to openc.com and look at the statistics and the volume on certain things openc.io 
.io. Yeah, .io. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. OpenSea.io uh, and CryptoSlam is another great one that I use to track uh, volume, which just basically tells you what's popular and what's not. Um, but if uh, even after listening to to uh, to this interview and me give you the the hardships of someone who hit the lottery, uh, if you want to hear more about NFTs, um, some of the things that I'm looking at, different breakdowns on projects, and especially uh, interviews from different people uh, in the NFT space, you can go to my Twitter account, which is at Anorak underscore NFT. It's the same for YouTube, and I'm starting to release some new stuff on Medium. It's pretty low-level stuff. I don't get too involved in the tech. It's more about um, the gaming side of things and the virtual world side of things. Um, so check it out if you want. Hit the follow button. If you don't like what you're seeing, feel free to unfollow it too. I understand. Uh, Anarek, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm hoping I'll have you back on if you'll join me uh, because we we were just shooting, shooting uh, the breeze for a good 20 or 30 minutes on just life in general before we got started. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll put all the social into the show notes for people so you can give a follow uh, and, and enjoy the content as I do. Thank you so much for joining us. Take well, there you have it want to give a huge thanks to my special guest anorak uh you can find his twitter handle in the show notes um he is a really really great follow so definitely definitely check him out um you can find him on twitter at anorak a-n-o-r-a-k underscore nft again that's at a-n-o-r-a-k underscore nft definitely check him out. Going to be doing a bit of traveling, so you won't hear from me for a little bit, but I'll be looking to get into some more episodes this weekend and uh, have a lot of great guests coming up. So from Dubai, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off for now. As always, thank you for your support. Um, it really does mean the world to me. Um, we're growing as, a, as, a, as an audience and as a community, and I'm really, really super, super grateful for that. So thank you all so much. I'm very humbled and appreciative. Um, for now, Dr. Jeremy signing off from Dubai. You know the drill. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. And God bless.